Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this morning we are looking to start our week with some wisdom and some encouragement from the Psalms and from the Proverbs. And we're ready for Psalm 110 today, which is only seven verses, and Proverbs chapter 27. Now, Psalm 110 is only seven verses, but it's actually the most quoted uh, passages, if you will, within the New Testament. Like, it's referred to more often than any other single passages. And uh, you're going to see why here in just a second. Um, So actually, let me just read it real quick. And then we're going to kind of break down all the nuances. So it's a Psalm of David talking about Messiah and Messiah's role uh, being at the right hand of the Father, those types of things. Let's just have a look. Open up your hearts and listen to the Word of God this morning. Psalm 110. The Lord said, Unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand, until I make thy enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads of her many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. So that is Psalm 110. And a lot of familiar themes there. First thing I want to address though before we start getting into the connections and doctrine and that kind of stuff. One of the things that makes this confusing is the way it's translated in English. Uh, Because in Hebrew, it doesn't say, the Lord said to my Lord. That's just not what it says. It says, Jehovah said to my Adon. So, Jehovah said to my Lord. Remember, David's saying this. He's saying, Jehovah, God the Father, Jehovah said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Jehovah, verse 2, shall send a rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Verse 3, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. Verse 4, Jehovah hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 5, Adonai, the Lord... At thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. 
He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Okay, so that's really how it should be in English. So who is sitting at the right hand of Jehovah in this psalm? Right? Messiah. Who's the one at his right hand that will strike through kings in the day of wrath? Who, according to the psalm, is the priest after the order of Melchizedek? Messiah. So, you know, when you're reading this, or maybe, you know, it's like you're a new believer and you're just getting into the word of God. These, This is like, why does David say it like this? Why does he say, the Lord said to my Lord? Because one of the most famous um, talked about uh, passages in the New Testament is Matthew twenty two forty one through 45, where Jesus quotes this and he, tr- he kind of flips the table on the Pharisees because the Pharisees are trying to uh, entrap him with questions. So if you go to Matthew twenty two forty one, he says, Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. And he said to them, How then, or then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Therefore, if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? So, they, so Jesus kind of flips the script here after being interrogated and questioned a bunch by the Pharisees where they're trying to entrap him. And he's like, okay, answer this one. But that's not what the scripture says. It says, Jehovah said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Therefore, if, so so, but the point Jesus is making, why does David refer to Messiah as Lord if it's his son? Right? So, anyway, that's where it's quoted. I just wanted to point out that little bit because, you know, that kind of, it just really makes a mess of <laughs> of the verse, in my opinion. The Lord said to my Lord. Well, that's not what it says. All right. Let's get to the actual doctrine of everything going on here. And I'm going to try not to mess this up. First off, let's, well, let's just take it verse by verse. How about that? Psalm of David. Jehovah said to my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Now, after the resurrection... And after Jesus appeared uh, to, to you know, hundreds of people, he ascended, and the scriptures are very clear that where he ascended to, at least positionally, it, as far as his position of authority, is the right hand of the Father. So if we look at Mark sixteen nineteen, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up to heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So this prophecy that David is proclaiming through his psalm, it was actually fulfilled at the ascension. Acts 2, 34. 
For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at thy right hand. Ephesians, 10, or Ephesians 1, 20-22 Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So according to the Gospel of Mark, according to the book of Acts, according to Paul in Ephesians, this is where Messiah is now. He has all power, all might, all dominion, all authority. And he's going to be at the right hand of God until... All of his enemies have been made his footstool. Hebrews 12.2 Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the, sh despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 1 Peter 3.22 Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, Angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. So, by the way, this is this is just the first verse. That's how many times it's it's referenced in the New Testament. So, as of now, Messiah is at the right hand of God, and he will remain there until all of his enemies have been made a footstool. This point is further brought home by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. So if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 20, we kind of have the order of resurrection, right? Like the order of how things are going to play out. Here's what he says. But the fact is, verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by man came death... By man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. So when's the next resurrection? Christ was the first fruits. After that, those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Messiah at his coming. Verse 24. What comes after his coming? Then comes the end, and what does he do? When he hands the over the kingdom of our God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. When does he abolish all rule, all power, and all authority? In the end, and when is the end? After his coming. For he must reign until... So how long does he have to reign? Until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished. So what's the very last obstacle that Messiah will overcome? The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Verse 27. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is clear 
This, this includes the Father who put all things in subjection to Him. When all things are subjected to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to Him, so that God may be all in all. So, what's Paul teaching? Christ is the first fruits, the fulfillment of the first fruits. Because He rose. He is currently at the right hand of the Father. He will remain there until all of his enemies have been put under his feet. By the way, has all of his enemies been put under his feet? Hardly. Look at the world. Resurrection will happen at his coming. After that, then the end will come. When he's abolished all rule and authority and made everyone an enemy, and put all of his enemies under his feet, he will then hand that kingdom back over to the Father, who is the one who put everything in subjection to him to begin with. That, in a nutshell, is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, 20-28, which is also being said in our short psalm this morning. So let's look at the rest of our psalm. We'll just start over. Seven verses. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at thy right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool. We covered all that. Verse 2. The Lord, Jehovah, shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. And the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. Verse 4, Jehovah hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord, verse 5, at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. So this is specifically, this doesn't say Jehovah, this actually says the Lord. Adonai, or Adonai, the Lord at thy right hand Right? He's at the right hand of the Father. What's he going to do? He's going to strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. You see, all these people who are ruling the world, they think they've got all the power. On the day of his wrath, they themselves specifically are going to be struck through. What does it say? The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Verse 6, he shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. Again, the kings, the leaders of this world, <laughs> they've got severe judgment coming from the one who's actually in charge. And in verse 7, he shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. So that is Psalm one. Ten, a little bit different style uh, than what I typically do for teaching, but I wanted to make sure that we kind of get a clear understanding of the order of events, what this psalm is about, and at least a handful of times where it's actually quoted. It's quoted way more times than that. In fact, the book of Hebrews refers to this fact that he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not a priest after the Levitical priesthood but a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, the book of Hebrews refers to this 
oh man, multiple times. Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter seven, twice in Hebrews, three times in Hebrews chapter seven, actually. And then in Revelation chapter one. Uh, so it's referred to often. All right. I think we have a clear understanding of this. I will say this. One of the reasons that post-millennialists believe that, believe in post-millennialism, there's many, many reasons. Uh, but one of their reasons is they, they look at this verse and the Lord, Jehovah said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool. They look at it like all of the Lord's enemies will be conquered in this world before he returns, before it's all over. So they're actually looking for um, us to make disciples of all the nations in that the whole world would become disciples of Messiah before the end. Whereas many of us look at it like he will come, defeat the enemies in a literal sense, rule for a literal thousand years, and because of that process, the whole world will come to know him so by the way that's not the only view for post-millennialism and my attitude towards different views is to study them out completely understand them respect them um not be like foaming out the mouth how dare you not believe in this how dare you know a lot of these views so you have premillennialism all millennialism post-millennialism all of them have great arguments and I've had great men of the scriptures, great scholars uh, in all those camps. So it's kind of like you have election, uh, Calvinism, and free will. Uh, Amillennialism. Uh, there's, I mean, there's great people, great men of God, great women of God, great scholars, very intelligent people in both camps. So... Be careful about your attitude towards other people's views. The, many of them don't believe it because they're idiots. They believe it because there's reasons to believe it. I happen to believe in premillennialism. Um, I believe that Christ will return and there'll be a literal 1,000 year reign where things are unspeakably amazing and justice goes forth and all those things are fulfilled literally. But I understand those other point of views, and they're not that far crazy. They very well could be the actual case. So, okay, I'm just rambling horribly this morning. Please forgive me for that. Let's move on. Let's get some wisdom from our proverb for today, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, our proverb today, if I can find my place here is Proverbs chapter 20, what are we looking at, 27, Proverbs chapter 27. Let's begin. Warnings and instructions continued. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Please note, sounds like something Jesus said, right? Very similar. Where do you think he's getting that? Don't say, tomorrow I'm going to do such and such. Say, if the Lord wills. Because tomorrow's promised to no one, right? 
Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Don't brag about tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Verse 2, let another man praise thee and not thy own mouth. A stranger and not thy own lips. Both both of these verse, first two verses are saying are basically essentially saying, don't be prideful, don't be arrogant. Verse three, a stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of friends, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The fool's soul loatheth a honeycomb, but the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. As a bird that wandereth from her net, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thy own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproaches me. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and he hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. He that blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning should be counted to curse, a curse to him. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whosoever hideth her hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand which bebrayeth itself. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. I think there's some prophetic utterances there, huh? Whoever tends to his fig tree will eat the fruit of it. Likewise. He that waiteth on his master shall be honored. I think there's going to be great blessing for those who are diligently watching and waiting for the master to return. And not just watching and waiting, but being busy about the master's business. I don't know about you when Messiah returns. I want him to find me like working for the kingdom of God, not twiddling my thumbs not wasting my resources, not being lazy. And please, by the grace and mercy of God, not in sin. 
continuing on verse 19. As in water face answereth the face, so the heart of a man to man. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Lord, give us contentment. Pour out contentment upon our hearts and minds. The thing about like pornography and lust and things of those natures, it'll never be enough. Because that's how sin works. It'll, there'll never be enough to satisfy. What'll happen is you'll just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into it. You'll scroll further and further and further and download more and more and more and more and more time looking at it. It's never going to satisfy. It's only going to destroy. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Verse 21. As the fining pot for silver and the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. Though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. In other words, there's not much you can do with a fool. Like a fool is a fool. They can't be reasoned with. Verse 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? Be frugal. Right? Three more verses. Verse 25. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goats, milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. That's all part of that whole thought. If you're being diligent about your flocks, if you're taking care of things and being responsible and being frugal, then you'll have food to eat. Your family be cared for. All right. That is our study for this morning. I pray that there's been some wisdom, some encouragement coming your way through the scriptures this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I pray you've been blessed. Thank you for praying for me and my family and for the podcast. Thank you for uh, your support which you can do by going to scriptureandprophecy.com. There's a support and donate tab at the top. Peace and grace be with all of you. Until next time, God bless.